Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first small group leaders podcast for the series Made for More. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I'm so excited to see what God is going to do in our small groups this season. Small groups are growing, and I appreciate the time and the passion that each of you is putting into leading a group this season. The series that we're about to walk through, Made for More, is centered around the idea that each of us has been created by God for more than we could possibly imagine, that God has given us dreams that He wants us to accomplish. It's about embracing our biblical identity in Jesus Christ. This small group study will be a bit different from studies we've done in the past few years. Like those past studies, it is sermon-based. We'll be exploring the lives of several biblical characters who were made for more. But in this study, we're giving you, the group leader, and your group some options for what you study in your group times. Each week's study guide will have two pages. On the first page, you'll find questions that focus on that week's sermon and the character that it explored. On the second page, you'll find questions that explore the life of a totally different character tied to the series theme made for more. Now this week, Pastor Chris will be focusing on Joseph. So the first page of the guide contains questions related to Joseph and how we can apply the principles learned through his life to our own lives. The second page of the guide contains scripture readings and discussion questions related to Moses how he was made for more, and how we can apply the principles being explored to our own lives. In your groups, you can choose to do the study on Joseph or the study on Moses. Or if you'd like, you can work through all or parts of both of them. We'll be sending the study guide to each member of your group and recommending that they spend some time before you meet to read through the questions to read the scripture references, and to think about how they would answer each of the questions. This week's study guide was completed a little later than I had planned, but I'm hoping to get future guides to you by Thursday of the week preceding the study. Now, since this is the first week of this small group season, and many of you either have new people in your existing groups or you're leading entirely new groups, I recommend that you begin this week's group time by having each person introduce themselves. I would also highly recommend name tags until everyone gets to know each other. In the introduction, you can have the person give their name, how long they've been attending at Evangel, and what they hope to get from being a part of a small group. Or you can just use introduction questions of your own choosing. In the future study guides, I'll try to put an icebreaker question that you can use at the beginning of your group time. For those of you who are new to leading a group at Evangel, the purpose of this podcast is to walk you through the study guide and to talk about what you should be looking for in the group discussions. At the end of each podcast, if time allows, I'll also include a small group leader's tip. Now, before we look at the study guide, I want to mention something that I talked about during the small group leaders' training sessions, and that's worship. Spending time in worship is one of the best ways to begin your group time. 
Worship has the power to usher us into the presence of God and to open our hearts to the move of the Holy Spirit in our groups. So I highly recommend that you begin your group time with some worship music. Now let's take a look at this week's study guide. As I've already mentioned, the first page of the guide focuses on this week's sermon in which Pastor Chris will be exploring the life of Joseph. The first section of questions are some general personal reflection questions that are designed to al allow your group to share what they took away from the sermon. The first question asks, what stood out to you? What was helpful? What was difficult? What was insightful? And what challenged you? And then the second asks about what in the sermon you're feeling prompted to apply in your own life. Now, I wouldn't spend too much time on these questions unless, of course, the Holy Spirit moves and prompts you to linger here. The next section, Unpackaging This Week's Sermon, examines some of the key points that came out of the sermon. The questions are focused both on the story of Joseph and on how the things learned from the story apply to our own lives. The first set of questions begins with the statement, <clears throat> Often, for a dream to be birthed in your life, you must endure seasons of pain. Now, this was certainly true in the life of Joseph. In two separate dreams, God revealed to Joseph what his future would be. God was showing Joseph that he was made for more. But before those dreams were realized, Joseph went through seasons of pain. The first question asks what those seasons of pain were that Joseph endured. First, of course, was that his brothers plotted to kill him, but then they sold him into slavery. Things got a little better for Joseph at first, as he was appointed to oversee Potiphar's house, household. But then, after Joseph resisted the attempts of Potiphar's wife to seduce him, Joseph was falsely accused by her of sexual assault. Joseph was thrown into prison, where he, he remained for several years. The next question is an application question, which asks us what seasons of pain we have walked through while waiting for our dreams to be birthed. Because the answers to this question may be painful for some of your group members, it may take time for people to respond. There may be some periods of silence as they think about what they want to share. Allow for that and don't rush to move on to the next question. The second set of questions refers to Genesis chapter 39, verses 19 to 23. Have someone in your group read that passage. What we see in that, in that passage is that Joseph never gave up on his dreams and never lost hope throughout his seasons of pain and suffering. The first question asks, what allowed Joseph's hope and faith to be sustained through his trials? Genesis 39.21 says that the Lord was with Joseph while in prison, and he showed Joseph his faithful love. So I believe that that faithful love was shown in the fact that Joseph became a favorite of the warden, and the warden put Joseph in charge of the other prisoners. So Joseph knew that God was with him, just as David did when he wrote in Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I fear no evil, for you are with me. The next question asks us to share what sustained us in the seasons of pain we have walked through. Allow sufficient time once again here for answers to this question. Let the Holy Spirit guide you as to when to move on to the next question. One of the things that Pastor Chris shared with me from his sermon notes was this. Pain without perspective is paralyzing, but pain with perspective is productive. It produces things in you. Have someone in your group read James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. The first question asks what this passage says about perspective during seasons of pain and suffering. We're told to consider it pure joy when we face trials. The trials that we experience test our faith, and when we keep the proper perspective, when we maintain that joy in the face of trials, that testing produces in us perseverance, bringing us to maturity in our faith walk. When we lose that perspective, the trials we face, the pain that we're dealing with, will paralyze us. It'll keep us from moving forward in the more that God has made us for. So the second question here asks us to share about what God is using the pain in our own lives for. What is he building in us through our trials? I think you may find that your group may be more anxious to share on this question. The final set of questions on this page looks at Genesis 37, verses 18 to 20. When Joseph's brothers see him approaching, they say, Here comes the dreamer, let's kill him. But in verse 20, they say, Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So it's not really Joseph they want to kill, it's his dreams. The enemy of our souls wants to do the same to the dreams that God has given us. If he's able to kill our dreams, he can weaken our faith and keep us from accomplishing the more we were made for. He does this by making us believe that our dreams are beyond our reach or that we can't possibly accomplish them, or even that we're not good enough. The questions here ask how this has been true for each of us in our own lives. How have some of the, our dreams died? For me, one dream that I allowed the enemy to kill is a dream to write for children. Although I have since come to believe that that dream is still possible, the enemy has at times placed doubts in my mind. You're not good enough. Your writing is not that great. Things like that. This may be one of the most important questions of this study, and it may open up an opportunity to pray for those in your group who have allowed the enemy to kill their dreams. Take the time to pray with and encourage those who are struggling with this. Let's turn our attention now to the second page of the study guide. On this side, the discussion questions focus on another biblical character who was made for more, Moses. There's a lot of Bible reading in this study. Now, you can handle those readings in a couple of ways. One would be to suggest that your group read the passages ahead of time, and we'll actually be doing that when I send the um, study guide to your groups. You could also have the group take turns in reading them, 
read them aloud at the meeting. That's a good way to get a quiet person involved. So let's look at the first set of questions based on Exodus 2, verses 11 to 25. I'm sure most of you would agree that detours are frustrating. They can take you down unfamiliar roads and they can make you late in your arrival at your destination. They cause delays. And if you're like me, delays can be agonizing. Just as we experience detours on the roads we drive on, we can also experience detours on the road of life. Detours that delay us in fulfilling our God-given purpose or in fulfilling our dreams. At 40 years old, Moses experienced just such a detour. When Moses realized that he was not an Egyptian by birth, but a Hebrew, he recognized that his people, that God's people, were being mistreated, and he knew that they needed to be liberated from their oppressors. That was the purpose that God had created Moses for, but he hit a detour that lasted 40 years in Midian. So the first question here asks the group to identify what led to the detour in Moses' life. So the obvious answer here, based on the scripture reading, is that Moses killed an Egyptian and he fled to Midian in fear for his life. But I think there's another reason here. Moses realized that his people were being oppressed, that God's people were being oppressed. But when he killed the Egyptian for beating a Hebrew slave, he was looking to deal with that oppression through his own way, not through God's way. And I believe that God wanted to build something in Moses that would help him to fulfill his God-given purpose. The next question asks what the detour in Midian built in Moses. What I see is two things. Empathy, which I see expressed in the way in which Moses came to the aid of the daughters of Jethro at the well when he uh, protected them from shepherds who were trying to drive them off. And humility, which came as a result of leaving behind a life of privilege to live as a shepherd tending a flock that wasn't even his own. You may see other qualities that God used to de in, in this detour to build in Moses. Now, the next two questions here are personal application. The first asks if you've ever faced a detour in your life that hindered you from fulfilling the purpose God has revealed for your life. And the second asks how God used that detour to build something in you that would help you to fulfill your purpose. It's probably these application questions that will generate the most responses, so be sure to give enough time for them. The next set of questions is based on Exodus 3, verses 1 to 10. God has more for each one of us, and when we seek his will, when we listen to him to tell us the more that we were made for, he will answer. Sometimes that answer comes through a life-changing encounter, an event that alters our life. The encounter may be of a supernatural nature, or it may be a physical encounter with someone that alters the course of our life. The scripture text 
question here relates to the encounter that Moses had and asks us to identify the event that revealed to him the more that God made him for. This question will not lead to a great amount of discussion as the text reveals that God used the burning bush to get Moses' attention, and then Moses had an encounter with God in that place on Mount Sinai where God spoke and revealed Moses' purpose. What will generate more discussion, of course, are the personal application questions that follow. When have you experienced an encounter, whether supernatural or physical, that changed you and altered the course of your life? What did that encounter tell you about what more you had been made for? My encounter came as I was worshiping during my quiet time, and I heard the Holy Spirit speak in my thoughts. I could clearly hear him telling me that I was to study for ministry. I had been a personal trainer, and I heard the Holy Spirit speaking these words, I have allowed you to help people with their physical health. Now I want, to, want you to help them with their spiritual health. The third set of questions relates to Exodus 4, verses 1 to 17. Having heard what God wanted him to do, Moses was reluctant and he began to make excuses. Who am I to do this? They won't believe me. I'm not good with words. Finally, despite God's assurance that he would be with Moses as he carried out his purpose, Moses said, Lord, please send anyone else. How many times do we say exactly what Moses said? God, use someone else. God sees more in us. He wants us to step into that more. We're his plan A in the purpose that he's called us to. Now, sure, God can go to plan B, but it grieves his heart when we choose not to be his plan A. The first two questions ask why Moses wanted someone else to do what God was calling him to do, and what his excuses reveal about him. You can probably ask these two questions together as they're interrelated. As I look at the text, I think that perhaps Moses had become complacent. He knew that God's people were being oppressed and needed to be set free, but he may have become comfortable in the life that he was now living. He had a wife and a family, and perhaps he didn't want to give that up. Maybe knowing that he may be remembered as having killed an Egyptian, he was reluctant to return to Egypt for fear of his life. But I think that his excuses reveal that he was an insecure not feeling confident in his ability to accomplish the task that God had set before him. He didn't believe in himself. The next question asks us to examine how we can move beyond our excuses and embrace the more that God has made us for. We all have excuses. How can we deal with those excuses and put them behind us? The final set of questions relates to Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 26. That passage tells us that Moses turned his back on the life of privilege that he was living in Egypt as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, and instead chose to share in the oppression of God's people. Why? Because his eye was on the prize, the reward that awaited him in heaven. 
Moses saw the more that he was made for. The questions here ask us to think about the more that God made us for, and then examine our lives to identify anything that we need to turn our backs on in order to clearly see that destination, the fulfillment of the purpose that God has given us, and then share that with the group. I'm thinking that this question may be met first with silence as the group examines their lives. Give time for that. Don't let the silence push you to move on. This can be a very challenging and powerful moment as people share their answers. Well, that covers both of the studies in this week's study guide. I'm believing that these studies will lead to some powerful discussions and that lives will be changed as your group members begin to make the first steps toward embracing their God-given purpose as they embrace the fact that they have been made for more. Before ending your group time, be sure to allow ample time for prayer in your group. Prayer as a group can be so powerful, and I believe it's, on, it's one of the most important parts of the time we spend in groups. While I'm talking about prayer, I wanted to share something that I read recently on the subject of prayer. People are sometimes reluctant to pray out loud because they feel that their prayers are not as good as someone else's prayers. In a devotional email called Prayers Don't Get Graded, Max Lucado had this to say about prayer. Jesus downplayed the importance of words and prayers. We tend to do the opposite. The more words, the better. We emphasize the appropriate prayer language, the latest prayer trend, the holiest prayer terminology. Against all this emphasis on syllables and rituals, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 7, don't ramble like heathens who talk a lot. There's no panel of angelic judges with numbered cards. Wow, that prayer was a 10. God will certainly hear you. Or, oh, you scored a 2 this morning. Go home and practice. Prayers aren't graded according to style. If prayer depends on how I pray, I'm sunk. But if the power of prayer depends on the one who hears the prayer, then I have hope. Now, you might want to share that with your group, especially if you have people in it who shy away from praying out loud. Well, that's it for week one. We've covered a lot, but I hope it has been helpful for you. If there is anything you'd like to see added or changed in this podcast, let me know. And as I stressed in the training sessions, remember that I'm here for you. If you have any needs or questions related to small groups, please reach out to me. And if you need prayer, let me know. I'm praying for you every day. Father God, I lift these group leaders and hosts to you. I ask that as they lead their groups, you will give them clarity and wisdom and that you will lead them as they care for and encourage the members of their groups. I pray for your blessings on their groups, and I pray for your blessings on their lives. Strengthen them, strengthen their families, and help them to feel your presence as you come alongside them as they lead their groups. I ask all of this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you lead, and have a great time and groups this week.